Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. An effective cartoon character is usually a little larger than life. A little bit over the top, but not too much. Because if the character is effective, you laugh at the absurdity even as you're sort of thinking, well, I did that too or I've done that too. Now in case you're wondering, Calvin and Hobbes is one of the greatest cartoons ever invented. And it's still quite enjoyable to read even to this day. For me anyway. Here's one I came across. Calvin wants Susie to pay him to eat worms. Worms. Susie has negotiated the price down to one penny per worm. Calvin wants the money up front. A nickel. So he's going to eat five. Susie says, sorry, you don't get paid until you do the work. Calvin says, man, you'd think the guy eating the worms would be calling the shots. Susie says, if you're calling any shots at all, you're not eating any worms. It's a little obvious who is calling the shots, right? Susie is. She is holding all the cards while Calvin is holding his worms. Now, it is a cartoon, but I confess that it reminds me just a little bit about Peter in our Gospel reading for today. He is like a cartoon character. His foolishness is extravagant. His ego is larger than than life. He even wants to call the shots when Jesus is right there. If you compare this story in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I think it's worse in Matthew, but he does it here again in Luke chapter 9. This is the Gospel reading for the Transfiguration, which of course is the doorway into Lent. So we're going to look at the reading again and ponder Peter's folly or cartoonish error. But he is a good cartoon character. But first things first. It's pretty clear in Luke chapter 9 who is calling the shots. That's right, it's Jesus. Jesus is calling the shots. He feeds a crowd of 5,000 men, not counting women and children, with five loaves of bread and two fish. He is God's Messiah, the one God has chosen. And He's going to suffer and die and rise again in victory. He's on His way. He's going to Jerusalem to deliver and to save. And then He teaches His followers. He teaches where His followers will go along the path that mirrors and somewhat imitates His. Remember? Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow 
Him. And all of that is before the reading today in Luke chapter 9. So He takes the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, up on that mountain to pray. Now for just a moment, I want you to imagine what it would have been like to be there. Luke writes that the appearance of Jesus' face was altered. Have you ever tried to alter the appearance of your face? I'm not even sure where I would start to do something like that. But literally, Luke writes, the appearance of His face became other. And His clothing was so brilliant, so bright, that you couldn't even look at it. If you think about when you go to the lake or you go to the beach and the, and the sun hits the water just right, it's so bright that you just can't look at it. There's a word for that. The word is glory. And then Jesus is not alone. There were two others there, Moses and Elijah. They too were in glory. And they're talking to Jesus about His departure. Which is another word for exodus. Now they're not telling Jesus how they've been. They're not just shooting the breeze. They are talking with Him about what He is going to do. After all the promises which Moses and Elijah bore witness to, Jesus is now finally going to make all of that happen. And when they're done, Moses and Elijah start to leave. We don't need them anymore. Jesus is there. Jesus is there. We don't need Moses and Elijah anymore. Because Jesus is there. Jesus is going to Jerusalem to accomplish another exodus. Another deliverance. Another movement through deep water. Through death. Pursued by enemies. Seemingly overthrown by them only to emerge in victory on the other side. Another exodus. That's where this is going. And then the cartoon character shows up. He makes his appearance. Now, Peter's first words might be alright, although we don't know what's behind. Master, it is good we are here. But then comes the folly. Master, let us make three tents. Now that could be heard to mean, Master, you let the three of us, James and John, make three tents. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But the verb here is oratory subjunctive. And yes, I know how exciting that is. But it's extremely important. Because it helps us understand that Peter isn't asking for permission from Jesus. He is telling Jesus what they should all collectively do together. He's not asking for permission. He's telling Jesus. It's like saying, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Or in Mark chapter 4, let us all get in the boat and go to the other side. This is a command, not a question. Peter says to Jesus, let's make three tents. We don't know if James and John are willing to help or if Moses and Elijah brought their tool belts, 
But we know one thing for certain. Peter is trying to enlist Jesus into this project. Master, I've got a great idea. Jesus, I think you're really going to like this. Let's make three tents. It's like a cartoon. He thinks he's calling the shots. God the Father doesn't seem to be amused. Luke writes that even while Peter is talking, there is a cloud. And it is a scary cloud. It feels like the naked presence of God Almighty. And that's exactly what it is. Then there's the voice. And they are really scared. James and John are thinking, I sure wish Peter wouldn't talk so much. And that's pretty much what the Father is addressing. Peter's talking. Peter, in a cartoonish way, wants to call the shots. And so just in case the altered face of Jesus, the shining clothes and the glory, Moses and Elijah, as if that weren't enough, God the Father speaks. This is My Son. I have chosen Him. He's the master. He's calling the shots. Listen. Listen to him. Does it work? Well, for Peter, not at first. Not for a long time. It isn't long and they're in the upper room and Peter is at it again. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you. And when you have returned, restore your brothers. No, Jesus. Nope. No way. I'm ready. I'm good. I've got this. I'm ready to go all the way to prison and even to death. He has no clue. He has no clue that it'll be cock-a-doodle-doo and three strikes you're out. Does Peter ever change? The answer is yes. He does. It starts with the Lord has risen and He has appeared to Simon. And then there is the 40 days of intense teaching and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So yes, Peter learns. Peter learns. Now of course, he has to learn More than once. He has to learn to let go of control that he never had. Peter, in a phrase, needs to deny himself. That's what this is all about. Peter thinks he's in charge. Peter knows best. Peter can handle it. Peter calls the shots. The answer is no. Peter can't handle it. Peter is not in charge Peter certainly does not know best. Jesus calls the shots. Jesus is the Master. Jesus is the Lord. Peter is agreeing with himself. Peter is counting on himself. He needs to deny himself. He needs to know that Jesus is the Lord. And that begs the question, how does Jesus do Lord? He does it by giving up control. 
by denying himself. By letting the Father call the shots. Jesus goes to Jerusalem to bring about deliverance from sin and evil. From corruption and injustice. From everything that would enslave us. Utterly innocent. He takes the place of the guilty. Declared innocent by everyone around Him. Still they kill Him. And He's numbered among the transgressors. Trusting the Father's plan. He commands Himself to the Father's care. He commends Himself to the Father's care. And He goes down into the Red Sea waters. And He dies. It's a greater death than Pharaoh's army. They deserve to die. We deserve to die. Jesus did not. But He let go of everything for you. He is the Lord. You know, the angels at the tomb on that Easter morn, they could have quoted the song from the sea from Exodus 15. I think that would have worked really well. The angels could have said this, I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. That horse and his rider, death and its destruction, fear and every enemy He has thrown into the sea. He has buried them in the tomb and risen from the dead. The glory once dimmed has returned. And it's not His face that has changed in appearance now. It's His whole body. It's filled with eternal life. And He gives that life to all who call upon Him. He gives that life to you. And we stand with Him. And He calls the shots. And we listen to Him. And He says, you are not in control. You want to be, but you must let go. You must deny yourself. I won't tell you how it's all going to turn out. If I did, you probably wouldn't like it. Let it go. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Him. This coming week, Lent is upon us. I have a suggestion if you are looking for something to give up for Lent. In fact, you could give it up for Easter. You could give it up for Pentecost. You could give it up for any day in the calendar, church calendar year. Control. Give up control. Give up arrogance. Give up the fear that leads you to think you can and have to be calling the shots. Ask God to save you from thinking that you can summon Jesus to help you with your building projects. To save you from thinking that my vision for success has anything to do with what God has in store. It's not that Jesus can't or won't use some ideas that we come up with. He certainly might. But it's just that He's the exalted, crucified, and risen Lord who knows better. And often doesn't tell us what He's up to. 
Peter played a unique role in history. And thank God, none of us is Peter. But we see ourselves in Him. So I invite you this morning again to let it go. Let go of the worms that are in your hand. Let go of the control this week. Let it go on your next day at work. Let it go on your first date. And then on your wedding day. Let it go when you drop off your child or children to school. And let it go for years to come. But this morning, it starts now. As you walk out the sanctuary, let it go. Let all mortal flesh keep silence. Listen to Him. Jesus is the chosen one. He is your deliverer. He has the words of eternal life. Listen to Him. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.